And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. If you find yourself down at the banks downtown for any reason, make sure you are stopping by and visiting our good friends at the Holy Grail. Get yourself something to eat. Get yourself a a nice cold beverage as uh, you get ready for the summer and you take in Dora down at the banks and our good friends at the Holy Grail will get you absolutely taken care of let's uh let's get this show rolling today we've got a a special guest joining us the one of the newest members of the bearcat family joining katrina merriweather and the women's basketball staff somebody that i've known she doesn't remember me but somebody that i've known for a long time uh her dad was a big influence on my life and somebody i love catching up with anytime that we uh we run into each other Abby Jump, one of the uh, are, are you officially associate head coach here or is it no, no just assistant, no assistant and uh, recruiting coordinator? Yep. Okay, you, you were the associate of Memphis, right? And then yeah, I know yep. the the you got to you got to that's how you get a raise next year as you become associate head coach. I, I'm just I'm just happy to be <laughs> on staff. If it was graduate assistant, I guess I would go back to school. I, I'm good with whatever. <laughs> Uh, Abby is uh, a, a graduate uh, from Northern Kentucky, Ryle High School, went to Wright State and uh, started her coaching career there with Coach Merriweather, has followed her to Memphis, and then here to Cincinnati. Wright State? <laughs> Aaron, Aaron's a Wright State alum as well. There so you go. Right her up. Somebody there. Um, I actually, I, I was informing Abby before the show, I, I actually informed her dad that there was a good chance that that she would be coming to Cincinnati uh, when Katrina got the job, and, and he was very excited. I told him not to let you know, not to, to let you in on that I had kind of spoiled the surprise. But uh, it's great to have you on. Welcome to the network, and uh, we are excited to have you here in Clifton. And tell us, what's it what's it like getting to be back home and around the family, and, and now you don't have to take people, uh, you know, many, many hours away to ride the four-wheelers yeah. and, and the golf carts. Yep. <laughs> oh, you heard about that. I appreciate you all both for, for letting me um, come on. I'm really excited. Um, it's been great. Um, this is a dream in a lot of different ways for all of us, obviously for Trina coming home literally, but um, it, it's been really cool. It, it's changed a lot since I've been back. I mean, I made stops at Bucknell, uh, Moorhead before I got to write Satan in Memphis. So I've been gone for a while. And so it's been really cool just to um, be home and, and see all the changes around Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. But I've seen my family more in the past month than I have in, in two years being in Memphis. And so um, we knew it would be a change in that way of seeing everybody more, but it's been really special. What was it like kind of growing up you, what were your thoughts on the Cincinnati program, like from the outside looking in? It's mm-hmm. a program that has a lot of potential. It hasn't been able to gain consistent tra- traction in the women's landscape yet. Obviously, with the move to the Big 12, you hope and you're going to work to make things mm-hmm. a little bit different on that front. But just take me through what your view of Cincinnati women's basketball was growing up in this area and then what's the vision for you and and obviously Katrina being an alum and and the coaching staff going forward 
Right. Well, the the program's known success, right? You think about yeah. Hall of Famer Lori Pirtle, the teams that Trina's been a part of, uh, where she goes to a postseason for four years straight, the only Bearcat to do that. Um, so the, the program's known success in, in multiple conferences. So um, growing up, I, I spent a lot of time on campus, um, actually was trained by the Gadulis, uh, so got to work out with a handful of women's players and, and watch the program throughout high school. But it's known success, so it's it's no different. Uh, the way we went down to Memphis is the same. That program knew, su- knew success as well. Um, so we're not walking into anything that no team has ever been a part of a 21 program or um, the NSA tournament or WNIT. They've known that. Um, so my view was let's go do the same thing. Let's bring it back. Um, let's get it going. And here's the thing. Michelle, Michelle recruited some really talented players. Their staff did a great job. I mean, we have talent on the seven returners. We have talent. Um, and our job is just to, to build on that, mold on that, um, and, and do everything we can daily to, to build it the right way with the right people to compete for championships. But the program's known success. And when you have um, a dozen of, of her teammates at the press conference and Lori Pirtle, like that matters. That matters having that alumni support. It matters having the city support. And it, it's Trina, so we have it. Tell us about the style of basketball that you guys employ. What's the system? What's it going to look like when fans go to a women's basketball game this winter? Yeah. Well, the seven players we inherited are, are what we would – say is the best shooting team we've inherited um, as a as a staff together. So we're going to build around that. We're going to be um, shooting a lot. We're going to be playing fast. That's not going to change. Our program has always um, been around defending and rebounding. We won at Wright State doing it that way. We won at Memphis doing it that way. Because uh, ultimately, it, it doesn't matter if you have great shooters or not. If you can't make a shot that day, you still have to find a way to win. And we've done it multiple ways. Um, last year at Memphis, we we made 13 threes one game and won, and the next day we were 0 for 18 and won. You know? And so we're going to defend and rebound. We're going to play fast. And then having those seven players that can all make threes, we're going to utilize them. Now, you've got a Ryle Raider coming in. Mm-hmm. And I believe your dad taught her mom, right? Uh, well, he, he, she, she was a grade behind me. I don't know which yeah. side she was on, but I know she was a grade behind me and he was there. Well, he, he coached her dad. He coached her dad. And I believe yeah, he taught her mom. For sure. Yep. And so there's some ties, obviously with that. It's a very small world. <laughs> that, that's an easy recruiting call to make when you guys got here, right? Like, do you just yeah. have your dad? Like call, yeah. call Aaron and, and or Trevor and work this thing out. Right. Yeah, it's Northern Kentucky is a very, very small place, uh, basketball world for sure. So um, that's really cool. You know, it's really cool to have someone that um, we've we've come from the same place, same stopping grounds and and to have those personal connections with it. It's going to be really special. She can shoot. She can. She can. She can really shoot the ball. Yeah, she can. She's got a really high release. uh, That's really, really tough to contest. Um, so, you know, we're going to put her in positions to be able to, to make shots. You talked about the seven women that are returning. Give us a little, mm-hmm. uh, you guys got workouts for a couple weeks, right? Before, mm-hmm. uh, the semester ended, right? What did, what were your impressions kind of from this team? Uh, those seven players as you, as you got to look early. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. Cause we got to play them a play against them four times the last two years. Of course, and yeah. 
all you are you have your scouting report on them what you assume and what you believe that they can do and capable of but getting into the gym trina had them for a week straight by herself while we were um still at memphis uh when the rest of us came up ashley and brina we came up and worked out with them i was blown away um we knew that they were really special and capable of a lot but i was blown away by um their shooting ability their coachability and their energy like th that's a group majority of the seven they've won in a cincinnati uniform you know like you think of jillian hayes in the in the first year that she had at cincinnati like these players have won before and they expect to um but their energy is right they want to win and, and they're really hard workers so I was honestly blown away. We all were like, y'all, we have something here. We have something to build off of. And, and again, the same way when we went down to Memphis, everybody overlooked it. It's okay. We operate really well being underdogs. We operate really well being overlooked. Um, and that doesn't change our mentality. It doesn't change our perspective on the, on our players either. We're just going to work. Dave? That's Dave, by the way. He's my co-host. Dave, Abby, Abby, Dave. <laughs> Nice, hey, Dave. nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. You, you mentioned the seven returners and the shooting ability. Obviously, you have some spots to fill. The transfer portal is is alive and well in, in women's basketball, just like it is for, in the men's game. What are some areas that you guys are kind of have focused on, whether it's – where are you trying to supplement this roster with additions for next season? Yep. Um, so we have we have five freshmen coming in uh, for that were previously signed. We uh, we brought in a six five post player from Virginia that um, originally signed with us at Memphis. Um, uh, she's a shooting post player, so she's going to stretch the floor and her size is uh, what we need on the inside. But again, like she's going to stretch the floor. We got Destiny Thomas, who was our starting post player at Memphis as well. Um, she has signed and she is six four. So what we went and got is sized. Um, inside and then as well as we added Aisha Dia that played at Penn State, super athletic guard that can shoot as well, rebound. Uh, so what we did was we just added a little bit more size. Uh, you have Clarissa Craig that ultimately has completely transformed her body in the offseason and is, is kind of turned into a tweener where she can play that four or five spot and play out on the perimeter as well. So we went and just got bigger on the inside. Um, and again, people that are capable of shooting 15 feet threes um, included. So going forward, you know, we'll, we'll have to evaluate the roster um, and, and what it looks like this year. But um, the more size, the better, more speed, the better. Um, but we're, we're guard heavy, um, one through three spots, and they're really talented and they all bring something different. You know, the four that sign, we have really talented freshmen coming in um, that are tough, um, you know, guard from Texas, Reagan Jackson, that is extremely tough um, and, and wants to be in pressure situations and works really hard. So we have really good pieces. I imagine you guys have, you obviously being from there, you coach Merriweather playing at UC, you're going to recruit Ohio. You're going to recruit probably Indiana, Michigan. Are there any other areas nationally that you guys feel like you have good, relationships in that moving forward, especially with the move to the big 12, that might be beneficial uh, when you guys, you know, kind of really get to use those relationships. I know the first year is kind of a shotgun thing. You piece together mm -hmm. what you can, but moving forward, wh where should we see you guys out on the road trying to find future Bearcats? 
Right. Well, first and foremost, like you said, we're going to take care of home. So the players from Ohio and the surrounding, you know, in the region that want to be Bearcats and that that I can't emphasize enough. Trina said that in her press conference where you want the people who want to be at Cincinnati and for no other reason than to wear Cincinnati across their chest. Um, so we'll, we'll take care of home first within the state and the region. Um, but on, on top of that, obviously, our staff has a lot of ties in, in Indy. Um, and Michigan as well. But uh, Brina Merriweather, she was at New Mexico, so she has some West Coast ties, Texas ties. I recruit Florida heavily. Um, so we'll go where the players are. We'll, we'll go wherever the pieces that we need are. Again, our 6'5 post player um, that Brina recruited is from Richmond, Virginia. We'll go where the pieces are that, that are right for a program. So, um, But again, Florida, Texas, um, and, and then the region. So take me through who is Abby Jump? Let's give people a little bit better idea of that. Um, you, you grew up, your dad was a coach. He was a, mm -hmm. a basketball coach. He was a baseball coach. He was a teacher. Um, your mom is awesome. T take me through the family and, and the background and and kind of what makes you tick and, and got you into to basketball and, and then ultimately into coaching. Yeah, well, I think what got me into basketball is literally growing up in the gym. I can't remember a time I, I got to grow up in Lloyd's gym with some really, really talented players. You think of Deshaun Kelly, you know, that I can remember him lifting me up and, and letting me dunk and doing all that, right? So I grew up in the gym. I, I really Sheffield, don't know if Randy I had Lee, yeah. Jason Brake. It could go on and on. You know, I, I just – I remember those guys um, – and then on top of that, my grandpa coached at Wyoming High School um, where he won a state championship. So growing up, I was just surrounded by coaches. Um, and regardless of, if, of him coaching football, he was a coach nonetheless. Um, so don't really know if I had a choice other than to play basketball and, be, and to be a coach, but I'm okay with that. I don't have a backup plan. So this is this is what I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to, to do. Um, Outside a little bit, I, I golf. I'm a golfer, so I enjoy. Pretty good, uh, right? Yeah. Pretty good in high school, I heard. I was decent. I was decent. I, I listen. I picked. This, this is a golf podcast, by the way. I mean, <laughs> the Coach, people Coach go Pete play. Thomas wants likes to golf. Coach Pete, football. You, Doug yeah. Martin was on last. I mean, we got to get the Bearcat Journal. Me, Abby, Doug, Pete together. We'll go out and film it. Get some great content. Well, what's crazy about Doug Martin, I ran into him uh, in Linder the other day. His son is a year older than me. We went to high school together. He's the one that really, him and, and his friend uh, Blake Hamilton that played UC uh, golf as well, they taught me and took me to the golf ranch and, and had me pick up a club. So it's really Doug Martin's son that got me into it. So, again, small world. Um, but, yeah, I, I, love, I love to golf, love to relax in that way, but I'm ultra competitive. Um, I, it's, it's pretty bad. And some days I just want to win, you know, but, um, I don't know Th this, this coaching thing has been really, really special because basketball has been the smallest piece of it. When you get into college coaching, like, yes, yeah, gonna coach all day long and do this all day long and X's and O's. And it's, it's not, it's the smallest piece of the puzzle and that's what makes it special. Um, and, and so, you know, I've learned a lot from my dad and learned a lot from my grandpa and the coaching aspect of it, of, of how to be a player's coach, how to uh, build and maintain those relationships. Um, 
you know, you, you brought up my mom. I think I get my work ethic from her. I think I get, you know, my empathy and, and compassion. (laughs) 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 I think I probably get a little bit of that competitive (laughs) juice from him and my grandpa, but um, no, I just, uh, family wise, I have a great family and I'm just really, really thankful. I, I get to see them and they get to be in the stands and it's more than just once or twice a year now. I'm going to be a lot more women's games now, just hanging out with your dad. Like I, I, I miss hanging out with seeing him as much as, you know, I did when I was, was younger and it'd be really cool to have him it'd be really cool to have him around a lot more. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you're going to have to deal with me. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> He'll probably sit up in the top corner somewhere. I know it, it, it. He tries not to give me his his perspective all after every single game, but I enjoy it. I enjoy that he gets to to see and watch a lot. He came down to Memphis a lot. He really like. Mm-hmm. I used to light him up in batting practice. How, how much does he talk about that city championship team? He talks about he talks about that team a lot, doesn't he? He he talks about the team a lot. Not about. Batting practice. He just tells me how much that y'all won. We won a lot. <laughs> really proud of that. I, I, I wasn't a, a, a critical piece of that team, but I was on that team. Hey. I, I wasn't one of the guys that was that was making it go. Every role uh, is important. Every role is important. He will tell you I hit the most unsuspecting home run he's ever seen. Uh, we were playing like our rival at Cubcap. The wind was blowing out at about 30 miles an hour. I lofted one up and it went out over the right field fence. And literally everybody at the field was looking at each other going, no. No way. All these great <laughs> players on these two teams. That guy did not just hit a home run. Hey. No way. <laughs> it was your just, day. It was your day. Just because it's your first time on the pod does not mean you have to blow smoke. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody does not have a role. I mean, it's a... It's, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I got to play on a team where if if all I had to do was run corner to corner and watch Kim Dimming score 35 points, listen, I did my job. I ran corner. Every role is important. I, I was there to bunt guys over. There wasn't I, so I, I had to swing so like, away once and I got lucky. I was Chad, you earned, to bunt people over. Chad, you earned it. It was your day. The ball I got was the jacket. Go I got the, the the big picture that we that you know they got all of us. That won the city what, championship. What, what age was this? <laughs> 13, 14. We won the knot hole. Like we, okay. we played it at old cross or at New Crosley and Blue Ash. We won the knot hole. So you were like the Rod, the Roger Dorn of this team. <laughs> uh no, no, I didn't play. I, no, 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 it wasn't that. Like I, I played. All right. But actually, it's funny. Me and Trevor Holtman, who is is. Mm-hmm. You know the, the family of, of Abby that's coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we kind of platooned in right field. Okay. <laughs> Trevor taught me at Ryle. He was my uh, math teacher. Yeah, I'm old, Abby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> that's not what it was targeted for. I I grew up actually with Trevor's wife Heather. As okay. Well. So like the the yeah the, Northern yeah. Kentucky, it's all. <laughs> There's Everybody's path crosses for sure. You're, you're 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 the one saying it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what uh, what were you like as a player? Uh, take us through like what a good career at Wright State before you got into coaching. What what was Abby Jump like as a player on some pretty good Ryle teams in high school too? 
Yeah, I, I mean, my entire high school and college career, I got to play some with some really special players that made my job a lot easier. Uh, at Ryle, I got to play with Jenna Crittenden that ended up playing at Xavier. I played with Sydney Moss for a little bit, uh, obviously went to Florida and then won national championships at Thomas More. So I just was surrounded by some really good players. So my job was really easy, which was just get them the ball when they were open and then make shots when they were double teamed. And, and the same thing at Wright State, you know, walk into a, um, a, a system that Mike Bradbury, who's now at the University of New Mexico, who was the head coach when Trina was an assistant at Wright State, um, go there and, and he just built from the ground up uh, and we won pretty quickly. But I was I played with Kim Demings, who uh, was Horizon League Player of the Year. I think she still holds the record for most points, men or women, in the Horizon League. Um, so just incredibly special. But I was just a player that I wanted to show up every day and so make my teammates proud and um, make shots when I was open and, and make their job easier, but then take care of them. Um, like Kim Demings was my roommate in, in – for four years, I wanted to make sure that she could show up and, and score 35 if she needed to so we could win. So I, I did. I, I just I knew what my role was, which was to show up, work hard every day, make shots and, and be, you know, the leader of whether it was the bench mob or whatever it may be. So that taught me a lot going into coaching because I know what it feels like to be the 15th person. I know what it feels like to be the 10th, the sixth man and a starter. So um, I think ultimately my high school and college career propelled me into the coaching situation. You've garnered some attention since you've showed up on campus with the swag that you've been, uh, that you've been rocking <laughs> in the pictures. And I, I even went a little. Yeah, that's like, nice. That's real nice. Went a little old school for you today, but the, the swag, where's that come from? Where's the, the, everybody else is kind of buttoned up and they're in their normal, <laughs> you see stuff and, and you're going heavy on it. Yeah, I, I like the I like the retro look. I like that a lot. Um, I have a real issue with shoes, so you know I, I'm okay with well, admitting that. It, it, might, it might get worse for you here soon. Well, You're not allowed to talk I about can, it. But, yeah. I, hey, neither can <laughs> confirm nor <laughs> deny. There's no comment. No comment. I think there's been a, enough <laughs> out there publicly, uh, um, but. No, I, I just, I don't know. I, I enjoy the gear. I think, you know, there's nothing better than some red and black with a C-Paw on it. Trina's been saying that since we're at Wright State. She's very proud to wear her Cincinnati alumni gear. And so it's been really cool to actually put it on, too. And, and there's some really nice shoes that can match match the C-Paw for sure. You've been, this is now your, what, third different coaching uh, on Katrina's staff. What is it, you know, I'm sure you get had opportunities, but what is it about coaching with her that, you know, fans need to know why do you like coaching with her? What, you know, what is, what is, what kind of, give us some details on, on her as a coach and why you guys seem to have such a good bond and you've moved, you know, from Wright State to Memphis and now here. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you asked me that because Trina is very humble, doesn't like to talk about herself. So anytime we have an opportunity like this, like I love talking about the the difference uh, maker that she is, the impactful leader that she is. She challenges all of us. She puts us in positions, every single person on staff, to grow, to be better uh, as coaches, as as people, human beings. 
Um, she's just really special. It She does it the right way. It's all about the people. It's all about the relationships. It's about believing in people um, and, and getting the most out of them. And she did that with me when I was a player and she was an assistant coach. She's someone that late night in the office, that's who I would go talk to. I told her I wanted to be a college coach and she helped me. The second I told her, she told me what I needed to do. Um, you know, I, I just believe in loyalty. Um, she has been a dream to work for. Um, in, in reality, the place uh, is as special as the people in it. Um, and so no matter any opportunity, the best opportunity I'll always have is to be with her because I know that she's going to make sure I'm prepared in every way possible to be the best coach I can be. And, and I just feel like I'm, I've been a better person just by working and being around her, but she is, she's awesome. She's an ultra competitor. You know, she wants to win, but she's not going to sacrifice that for the way that she treats people, you know, and I think that is incredibly special. Um, so you're going to, when you see her, it's someone who wants to win and she's going to compete every day. She's going to try to be the best person she can be every day for our players, for us. Um, I, you know, the opportunity for her to come home to Cincinnati, um, she may not feel like some days that she deserves it, but she earned it. She earned it by working her butt off at Wright State uh, without looking for another opportunity, going to Memphis without looking for an another opportunity and did what she did in two years there. Um, so she earned the right to come home and stand on the sidelines that she played on. So you're a, a big time North Carolina fan. And I know that was something you and your dad kind yeah. of shared growing up. Uh, mm -hmm. You went Roy Williams basketball camp. Like you, you were the only girl. Yeah. They, they let, yeah. Camp. They let me in and on the floor. Uh, I think we gave ourselves some self-guided tours. I don't know if we were supposed to do that, <laughs> but we did it. And you knowing my dad, we did it. Um, but yeah, he just does whatever. He, he's more of a ask for, for uh, forgiveness, not permission type guy. Mm -hmm. Yep, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, yeah, we spent a lot of time at Chapel Hill growing up when I was in elementary and middle school. Um, went there a lot. Been a North Carolina fan since I was, I mean, baby blue walls growing up, North Carolina hat every day growing up. Um, so just so love. Have you have you cut it up with Wes yet? Have you chopped it up with Wes yet? <laughs> I have met him um, a couple of times and, and spoke to him. I know that they are very busy putting together uh, their their awesome roster that they've been working on. Um, but I have met him a couple of times, and it is funny. I know the staff, they know how big of a North Carolina fan I am too. And I, I was a huge Wes Miller fan just because um, of his role on that team. Um, so it was – You guys are about the same height, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, no, don't get me into that. No, don't turn me into that. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he's, he's been really awesome. He's been really awesome. And the first day that we all got there, he you know came over and he's been helpful. The whole staff has been helpful, so it's been really cool. And he was pretty fun to watch as a player, though, just knowing, like, mm -hmm. it's North Carolina. There's five stars everywhere, and there's this scrappy little five-nine-point yep. walk-on point guard that – started for a year and won a national championship and mm -hmm. i'm sure i'm sure you knew when cincinnati hired him you were like oh yeah I was yes. like, okay. yep yep um yeah i just i've been a big fan of um just a lot of people that have gone through that program big fan of roy williams and um everything that that program's done so it, it is it is pretty cool that he's 
he's in the same building for sure. Roy's been to a couple men's games since Wes has been here. So maybe you can get him to <laughs> stick in town for a day and, and check out a women's game too. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll have to pull out the old pictures that I have with him just for him to, to believe it. Um, <laughs> maybe, so I don't look like I'm a fangirl with Roy Williams in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you got anything else? Yeah. I'll, um, the big 12 obviously is a huge topic. You know, we're, less than two months away from officially being in, you know, a lot of the talk, you know, gets centered around football and men's basketball, but from your guys' perspective, I'm sure it's just as big of a deal. And how, how have you guys been using that? And, and what is the, I guess for people, and I'm one of them that doesn't, you know, follow the women's game super closely, like, and you were at Memphis and now you're at UC. So what is the big difference between AAC ladies basketball to now going to the big 12? Yeah. Well, the the one big thing, Dave, is we're going to have to make you a women's basketball fan and get you out to some games. All okay. right. <laughs> um, well, the American the American conference is really tough. Um, you, you have to play USF, uh, who's a top 25 program and it has been for the last decade um, that just had two draft picks. You know, so you, you had to compete against them um, and obviously against Houston and UCF that are both going Big 12 as well. But um, it was a really tough conference. I, I think the biggest the biggest thing with the Big 12 is that it's not a one bid league. And so where you're fighting for, you know, top half position to get yourself into the NCAA tournament, which is something that we're excited about. Um to go in and, and compete in that league against, you know, although Texas and Oklahoma will be in for this one year, I mean, you're dealing with top 25 programs. Um, so on a recruiting aspect of it, um, you know, we've we've talked about the opportunities that the Big 12 presents itself, and that's no secret. That's on football, you know, men's basketball, women's basketball for all sports, the opportunity to compete in um, a conference where there's so many opportunities involved with it is, is really important and special. Um, and again, being in a league that's not a one bid situation where you don't have to win and play your best three games in a row to win a tournament uh, championship to go to the NCAA tournament. That's not the situation we're in. This is a, you know, a league where they took five, six teams last year to the NCAA tournament. It's completely and and utterly competitive you know the texas teams that you have to deal with um tcu just got a new coach who's putting together a nice team too so you know we're, we're gonna have to uh, continuously work and, and put rosters together that can compete for championships and we will um you know but it's nothing new we went from dealing with the green bays uh in the horizon league that were top 25 and, and working to compete with them and beat them and then you go to Memphis and have to deal with the USFs and and try everything possible to to compete with them and be in the top two or three to have a chance and now we're going to the Big 12 where you know we like our chances of finding a way to finish in the top half so that you still can see your name um, on the NCAA tournament you know whether it's the bubble or whatever it is but you see your name pop up on one of the brackets and then you know we're going to get it to a point where we are competing for championships and not just competing, we're going to find a way to win. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. We appreciate your time and uh, fun. Tell us some story. You, you, I, I didn't react to it, but you blew my mind with the Sean Kelly reference, <laughs> who was one of my best friends growing up. Like we used to play backyard basketball at our friend Kaiser's house. Like, like, no, Chad, I remember all those guys. Um, I, I, I mean, I literally grew up running I the sidelines. 
in that gym. So I remember all of them and, and just my dad telling me stories. And um, when my grandpa passed, um, Sean reached out as well. So, um, yeah, those the guys were I really haven't special. heard in a long time. Yeah. So that was, that was a good one. Yeah, I really to, special. I have to tag him on this somehow and, and let him know that, that he got brought up tonight. Yeah, because please do. I, I do. I remember you as a toddler. Like, <laughs> it's so weird to see, like, when the, I followed you, you know, just mm. because of my relationship with your dad as you bounced around and were working your way up the ranks. So I did. When, as soon as I saw Katrina got the job, I messaged your dad and said, hey, I think Abby's coming home. Like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think this is really happening. He's like, don't mess with me. And he called me by the nickname that you're not allowed to, <laughs> to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't spoil the news. I wanted everything to work out the way it was supposed to. But he was, the whole family was really excited. They couldn't wait put on well, put on some red and black so but i appreciate you guys for having me on um you know any chance to talk about the program trina our players um really enjoy that and always look forward to doing that so look forward to seeing you both at some games all right all right, all right. yeah and my 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 12 year old is a volleyball girl so okay. we're gonna have to kind of push her back towards basketball um hey but all good was volleyball. Trina played it, so I'm not going to say anything about volleyball. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't play. I don't think it was a volleyball me. school. Like that's that. that the power it now. is. It is. It is a volleyball school at this point for sure. They are very, very good. But um, yeah. My da my daughter. My daughter. Every time that Gray shows up on their middle school, she's like. Oh. We got to play gray today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that volleyball wow. program has been it, – it's taken off for sure. But, yep. no, hey, no hard feelings with volleyball. She can do both. Just bring her out to some games too, women's basketball. Right. Appreciate it, Abby. Welcome to the network. We will uh, we will enjoy having you back on soon. And uh, thanks for taking some time out for us and getting the chance to, uh, to talk about the program. It was fantastic. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Tell your parents I said hello. Will do. So, yeah, there you go. Abby, jump. Assistant coach for Katrina Merriweather and the new Cincinnati women's basketball program. And uh, that, I mean, for me, that's literally, I've known her since she was born like that. It's pretty cool to see that kind of happen. For sure. It's always, you know, when you, it always, I mean, I'm sure it means, you know, they, they live a nomadic life, but I'm sure when you, think that maybe you have the opportunity to come back and coach at, you know, a school that is a high level program and is going to be, you know, whatever it is, 10, 15, 20 minutes from where you grew up. I mean, can't help but be excited about those opportunities. And, and I'm not, you know, you never think that where you're coaching is going to make a difference in like the level of effort you put in, but I mean, it does have to hit a little bit, harder that you want to be, you know, even more successful when you have so much of your support system will be around and, you know, yeah, you're going to be in the stands for every game. Yeah. So no, I mean, that's, I think what you said was, was really positive and, and, you know, moving forward, I think they've got a, it sounds like they've got a, a pretty, pretty good roster to work with. You, you never know what that's like when a coaching change happens. So Hopefully uh, they can, you know, handle themselves well in, in the in, in a big step up in competition this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the program has had those flashes of success. 
there's been issues sustaining it. And I mean, I think you find somebody that's, that's got the connection to the program that Katrina Merriweather does and has seen the, you know, the, the type of success that they saw when Katrina was here, she's going to have a desire to get it back to that. And from all accounts, the people at Memphis loved her. Like that's a, a program that is kind of mirrored Cincinnati's on the women's side. They haven't had that ability. They've had spurts where it's like they're turning the corner and then a dip and then a rise and a dip. Like they, there, there hasn't been that sustained level of success. And hopefully this is, uh, this is the staff that can come in and kind of push them over the top on that. It would, it would be really cool to see not only a head coach that went to UC, but like I said, Abby, that is from the area and has a lot of ties uh, to the program. So really good stuff. I'm glad we had her on. Um, I wanted to do it. A lot of people have had, you know, we've heard from Katrina a lot. Uh, I wanted, and also selfishly, I wanted to have her on to kind of, you know, give the women's program a little bit of uh, a little bit of run. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. I know Phyllis has been a, uh, a big women's basketball supporter and Chelsea uh, loves to follow it as well. Uh, so I thought it was good. We, we, we branched out, Dave. We, we've, we've got baseball now. We're, we're a golf podcast. Uh, we're, we're going to hit everybody eventually. <laughs> so I guess let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get to some football additions, some football action in the, uh, on the recruiting front. And then we can, uh, we can touch a little bit. Not a lot. It's so weird cover. We'll get to the portal and, and what it's like trying to cover this. Um, but <laughs> I, I think two pretty key defensive line additions for this recruiting class, uh, two guys that look really good on, on film and look to be pieces that Walt Stewart's really going to be able to work with uh, as this team gets into the Big 12, uh, as they add in the past couple days. Um Garrison Butler and uh, Josiah Knight. Your thoughts on those additions? Yes, yeah. Josiah Knight is. You know, you look at him and yeah, you got me. Yeah, you're here. Can you I hear me? You. All right. So yeah, I yeah. can hear you. Josiah Knight. I mean, you look at his. Um, I mean, his measurables jump off right away. You know, pushing six four. 230 as a high school junior. I mean, that's right in that range that you want from a a prototypical edge guy. Um, you know, obviously you're going to try to get him his weight up a little bit more, add some strength, and you don't know what these guys are going to turn into. Again, they're only just finishing their junior year of high school, but right, he shows some pretty, some pretty dynamic, uh, at least straight line speed for a guy his size. I mean, I know you guys touched on it the other night. On just a, like a quick played a little bit of tight end too, quick pass and ran away from the defense for an, for an eighty yard touchdown. So obviously that's there. I mean, you, you want you want to also see the the explosion and the the quick twitch elements and the change of direction stuff is super important if you're going to be kind of rushing the passer. But you know, a guy that has you know several you know relatively similar offers to UC. I, I mean, you want to call them power five, whatever. I don't, you know, same type of schools that they're competing with. Um, and I think that they've, you know, again, we'll see what he develops into, but 
you know, we've talked about it for the last couple of years is that they just have not had that type of, uh, of the MyJ Sanders ish defensive end outside, whatever rush player, um, the last couple seasons. So hopefully, you know, he could be someone in that role. And then Garrison Butler, I think Iowa State really wanted him. Uh, he's from the Bulls School in Jacksonville, which is a really, really good program. He's going to be your prototype nose tackle more than likely. Um, I mean, we list him at 6'1", 270. Feels like you can pack on some more, get him around 300. Um, he shows good strength. He's a he's a pretty good shot putter. Uh, participates in all the throwing events and track. I asked my buddy who threw shot and coaches high school football, like, is 54 feet 10 inches good? And he's like, yeah, that's pretty pretty good. So uh, he, did, <laughs> he did that earlier this spring down in Florida. Uh, shows good power, shows, uh, you know, a decent get-off. Um, but, you know, defensive linemen, you know, the program in the last several years has been – has had a lot of very, very solid college – defensive linemen and that that needs to continue like you know we can talk about and you know the same thing it's so so cliche you know and coach fickle used it ad nauseum uh you know building the roster through through the trenches but like if you can't block anybody and you can't stop anybody from running the ball it doesn't really matter what the rest of your team looks like you're not going to win um so, you know, those two guys, are, I think, are, are really strong additions to a class that is, what, now 10, 10 deep, 20th in the country. Again, that's a Early. relative relative term because you're comparing classes that have 10 to classes that have two uh, or three. So, sure, you know, we'll get back into that more in December. But I think... I think they are off to uh, a very, very strong start. You have, uh, a, you know, you're, you've hit five states so far. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, I think, you know, the, the point I'm, I'm interested in getting your take on, I think I know where this is going to go, but you have two from Ohio, four from Georgia, four from, or two from Florida, and then one from Maryland and one from South Carolina. There's always going to be this, this, reservation of are are we recruiting Ohio enough and and are you know we have to build our team through uh through Ohio and through the 300 mile radius thing and and I 100% agree with that I don't think a school like UC in a place like Ohio where there is a higher level of talent comparatively speaking to the rest of the country can be super successful if they don't yeah, you can't have, ignore it. Have a large portion of their talent from the state. That said, you have a new staff coming in. And what do we always talk about? Relationships. Well, you have a new staff coming in. And we know that it takes years at times. I mean, there were, there were they offered a 2026 kid from Bulls yesterday. Yeah. So they've started a relationship with a guy that is not going to step foot on any college campus for, th- for three more years. So at Louisville, they didn't recruit Ohio a ton. They did. They just didn't have any traction. Well, right. But so you're not going to spend a ton of time in place that you're not getting traction. You're going to go where you can get players. That's my point right. is yeah, the relationships are there, but they needed to be built 
much further because like who do you think has a better relationship with a kid from from Cleveland? One of our guys or a Michigan State coach? You know, in the 2024 right. class because they've been recruiting that kid for years. Like they're this class is going to be built by guys that this staff has that pre-existing relationship with that they were recruiting to Louisville and now they're going to say, "Hey, you were we thought you were good enough to play at Louisville. You're still good enough to play for us here." Next year, and maybe not even so much next year, maybe more in even 2026 is when I'll be, you know, if you're still not getting very many Ohio kids, then to me that's the problem because you'll have had multiple cycles, multiple years to build up those relationships with those players who you started recruiting when they were freshmen and sophomores and now they're juniors and seniors and you want them to come play for you. So will there be more Ohio kids? Probably, but I'm not going to be surprised if it's a, a more of a heavier focus in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and then also Ohio. And the other fact of the matter is, like, the Ohio class is not that good this year. Like, it's not. And at the top, it's already being vultured by Ohio State, Ohio Michigan. State Michigan. Yeah. So, um, and also, and, and you pointed this out a lot to me. Like, Garrison Brooks was what? Uh, the 99th player in Florida. He would be a top 25, 30 type guy in Ohio. Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. I, I want to also, I want to, and I know I have the one that brought that up, but I do want to push back a little bit because in the transfer portal era, I think it's inherently easier to keep kids close to stay versus. I agree. I, I don't disagree so, with that at all. So, like, I don't want to disparage the Ohio kids and, and every time they get a kid from another state, be like, well, this guy's better than all these other, like. No, he, no, no. I'm not saying better. I'm saying commiserate to. Like, you're getting a kid that is top 30 level talent in Ohio. I, I don't want people to think like, oh, well, we're getting top 25 kids in Ohio, but we're only getting top 100 kids in Florida. Like, they are similar in talent is kind of what I'm For like. Sure. I don't want people to, to look at that and think like, yeah, we're going to Florida, but we're getting like the 99th rated guy in Florida. Yeah, well, that's it, it's pretty similar to what they're getting in Ohio when you get a kid that's in the 70s or, or 90s or whatever in Florida. Right. That's all I was getting at with that. Oh, I, and I agree. But, it and, you know, it just goes like I don't want people to think that like I don't. But when we say that, that we're like saying, well, don't, you know, don't worry about the Ohio kids because these no, kids would worry about the Ohio been... kids. Yeah. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm mean, not, that, that they, wasn't the point I was making at all. And I don't, the, I mean, no, and I'm not, I don't think that they're, you know, not recruiting them. I mean, the, the class in the state has been, you know, have a lot has a lot of commitments already, which I think is a a little um, a little out of the ordinary. I don't remember. I mean, I'm I could be totally wrong, but it feels like the in the top twenty, there's way more guys committed already than than in the past. Um, and if Michigan is going to play in Ohio now, it's just going to make it that much harder. Like they totally neglected the state for. A very long time. Almost the entire Luke Fickle era, Michigan just didn't recruit Ohio. 
And now that they have won or, you know, won the Big Ten two years in a row, they've been to the playoff two years in a row. If they're going to come into the state and actually, you know, try to make an impact, it's going to make things harder. I mean, they've got Jordan Marshall. They're the they're the supposed leader for the number four player. They've got the number 11, 14, 15. Like, you know, it's just going to make, make things that much harder. And not that it's not doable, but, I mean, they are a – they're a blue blood for their history, and now they're a recent you know, back-to-back playoff team. Like right. anybody that they recruit up against is going to be diff- it's going to be difficult. Right. So you just, you know, there's not a ton of you know for this class specifically, there's not a ton of um, top twenty-five, top thirty, what I would call local guys even stretching out to like the Dayton area. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's different every year. I think they'll, they'll prioritize it. They are prioritizing it. Um, but it's, it is all about the relationships. It's about, you know, building that trust with the recruit. And it's just hard. To, it's hard to do when you've really been pushing for them for four months and somebody else has, had consistent communication with them going on two years. Like, you know, it's just anybody. It's about relationships. Who do you, you know, who do you trust? Who do you know? Who do you feel comfortable with? You're going to feel more comfortable with someone that you've, you know, built a much, much longer uh, relationship with. Matt wants to know, we have a very good staff. Does it hurt that they don't have another coach with Ohio ties? I mean, I mean, we'll see. I wish that they would have had one more. Um, but guess what? In college football, your staff is probably going to be 40, 50% different next year anyway. Right. I mean, that's like, the thing is, is you, you're going to hire your first staff. You're going to hire the guys that you feel most comfortable with that know your stuff the, the best because you need to hit the ground running. You need to to teach the fewest amount of people how you want the, th- the right. thing done. Because, you know, if November comes around, and, and we'll just be hypothetically speaking, of course, but if November rolls around and they've won three games and they got and they had six Ohio guys with Ohio ties on the staff, would anybody have given a rip at that point if, you know, someone could go, if you said, yeah, but they got six guys with Ohio ties on it, you'd get your head chopped off and be like, well, yeah, they've that's not helping them because they can't coach. <laughs> they've won three games. Right. So you go out you know, initially and you fill your staff with with what you think is is best for the immediate future of the program. Like you're not hiring when you hire your staff thinking, well, in three years, having this guy's really gonna pay dividends. Like that's no, not be, your ass be fired in three years. Right. Right. So you do what you can immediately. And then if you feel like going forward, when somebody moves on or you don't renew a contract or whatever the case may be, if you feel like you need more Ohio on your staff, then you address it from that point. I, I don't think it's something you can worry about no. day one. No, like they'll, I, they'll, I just don't. they'll know soon enough. You know, right. either they're not getting, 
you know, they're getting, you know, you're getting tuned out. You're not getting the traction that you had hoped for. You're not, you don't have the, you know, you don't have the right person with the right relationships in certain part of the state, the, the right high schools. I mean, it's, it's a very complicated algorithm that you have to figure, figure out the right balance of, you know, coaching, but coaching and recruiting and guys that you feel comfortable with and, you know, guys. Let's be honest about something, Dave. Assistants aren't nearly the factor in recruiting as they were three years ago because of the development of, of recruiting departments. These kids are dealing with the recruiting department a lot more than they ever have, ever have. And yes, they're still interacting with their their position coaches and their coordinators and the head coach or whatever. But anymore, man, like they're dealing with the guys in the recruiting department a lot more than, I mean, than what it used to be. How many times the last couple of years with Luke? Pat and Max. Coach Pat and Coach Max. Guys didn't coach a sec. Weren't allowed legally in the NCAA to coach one second of actual right. football. But those are the guys that they're talking to every day, right? So and yes, I, you I obviously do. have to have a good relationship, and you want to play for your position coach. And I think it's evident, like this week, how instrumental Walt is in recruiting. Yeah. I, I'm, my, the point I'm making is just it's not what it used like. No, it's oh, not. No. It used to be that was your your lead recruiter was the person you talked to all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And now you're talking to the recruiting guys a lot more than anybody else, and then your position coach, and then your coordinator, and then your head. It's just it's just a change in the dynamic that's that's happening with college football right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um. Only other football thing I want to get to, I, I've talked about this a lot. I'm interested in your take on this. Uh, the over-under is is coming out for the Big 12 teams. Cincinnati's over-under set at four and a half. I've heard some people say they're putting the mortgage on the over. Uh, I've been a little cautious just when you look at the number of coin flip games that there's going to be on that schedule. Um I'm not comfortable putting, I'm not comfortable gambling to begin with. I don't do much of it, but I, I'm not comfortable saying I look at that schedule and go, yeah, I see six, seven, eight wins uh, for sure. Not that I don't think they're going to win six, seven games, but I don't see like, okay, here's six wins. Well, one, I would bet the over because who the hell wants to bet an under? That's no fun at all. Fair. On on win totals. Uh, two, I would bet the over because I don't want to ever be in a position to hope that my team loses more games. <laughs> Fair. Just so I can win some money. Or you could, uh, but my point being, I would just not bet. I wouldn't bet the under. I would just I mean, not bet. Taking those two things out of the equation, like personally, I would bet the over because I just, I know there's a ton of coin flip games. I have a hard time seeing this defense. In with the schedule that they're playing, yeah, like not being good enough to give them a chance to win five games because 
I think Texas, Oklahoma, TCU obviously is replacing a lot, but still has a good roster, still coming off of the national championship game. And Kansas State, I would say, are arguably the four best teams in the conference for next year. And I would even throw Texas Tech maybe in there with them. So let's let's call them those five. Okay. We play one of them. We got an incredibly generous Beneficial. first well, I, year, I've first said this, year schedule. If, if, if you task the two of us, at some point you said, Chad and Dave, make up the most favorable Big 12 schedule, the most favorable nine-game slate home and away that you could make up for Cincinnati. It would have looked almost exactly like this, right? Right. I mean, you Almost have te- exactly like this. You have a collection of teams, home and road, that I do not think, outside of maybe Oklahoma, are sign like significantly better than you see. Right. Where I'm just, I'm just going into the game, going, even if we play our absolute best, I'm not sure, you know, we can win, which is indicative of. I retweeted the, the K Ford thing the other day. There's like six games with that they had the spreads between plus one and a half and minus two and a half. Right. Coin so that, all like yeah. So because of that, because of having seven home games, because of you know not having to play. Again, this is May. We have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea who's going to be hurt. We have no idea which transfers are going to be great, which transfers are going to stink. But on May 10th, the schedule, I'm like, like we said, I'm not sure we could have asked for a better schedule. Right. That would be, that, you know, that we could realistically get. So I agree. I mean, I, I would, I would say over. Four and a half, but again, we have a lot of unanswered questions. What is Emory Jones? What is the offensive line? Who the hell is catching passes? Can can the defense replicate what they've done, but then also crank it up when it comes to pressuring the quarterback? Can they get the turnovers that they have not gotten the last few years and that Louisville did get, but turnovers are not indicative, you're, you're not, you know, replace, you know, whatever the word is I'm looking for. Like, yeah, you're not going to just be like, oh, well, we got a bunch of turnovers last year, so we're going to do it again this year. Like, that's not how it works. Like, there are a lot of questions to be had, which is part of the reason I think the over-under is four and a half. Um, but I would I would lean towards the over just because it's hard for me to see, you know, where the eight losses come from, assuming things don't go off the rails, like, one of the Brady's has to start half the season or so, or something or, right. so or we're major like, or we lose both offensive or... tackles in right. at higher ground something like that right no I feel you I, I I agree to a point and and you know I've made similar points that the schedule is as favorable as you could possibly you know ask for but you know you still got to go out and win them, and absolutely, I, and, I, it, and it and it's favorable, but like we're still taking the jump up. 
So right. even though we say that it's favorable, we're still we still have a new staff. We're still replacing a ton of players. Yeah. Like that that might be favorable, and it still might not be. The gap still might be too wide the first year for for the favorability of it to actually matter. Right. Right. And it can't just be defense. Not in that league. No, Not I mean, that's the, on average, it was the highest scoring league in the country last year, I think, right around 30, 31 points, which you see uh, has not hit in, I don't know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but. I thought certainly... they hit it in the, the playoff year, they were over 30. But... Probably, uh, but definitely not last year. <laughs> They were tracking that way early, and then it did not uh, continue in that direction. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you're, you're not gonna win. It's you know, the defense is going to have to be outstanding if you think you're gonna win like very many games, averaging 24, 25 points yeah. a game. 24, 21 games just aren't aren't the norm in the Mm-mm. Big Twelve. Like it's just not how that league operates. So. Um, anything else football related you want to get to? You want to touch on the, uh, uh, Amazon's out on the Pac-12 now, apparently. Portal, portal, baby. Oh, portal. Yeah, let's do portal. (laughs) Let's do portal. Um, here's where the portal is tough for us. We are in a period now, especially the spring portal, where nobody wants anyone to know anything about what they're doing. No. It is fucking insane the, the, what is happening right now in the portal. Well, what happens when Colorado has added like 60 guys and still has 13 spots left? <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's it, it's chaos. Like, I, I know people roll their eyes when we, when we joke and say it's the wild, wild west or whatever the case may be. But, like, the reality is... Man, there's there's a lot that coaches and and the recruiting departments are dealing with when it comes to navigating. You think you got a guy, and all that does is let somebody else know, you know, what the competition looks like. Right. Like it, it, it's 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 difficult. Yeah, I, I, I mean, do I, think I, I do think they've got a lot of irons in the fire. For sure. Um, and I, you know, there is just such a stark difference between the, the December, January period and now. And, you know, I don't want to say, I don't mean to say this is like in a bad way, but like if you're in the portal now, or it's, it's. Uh oh. Uh oh. Tiger's worried about you, Dave. I'm here. Okay. Okay. You got you got me. I got you. All right. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I got you. Go ahead. You have in the in the winter. You got coaching changes. You you have many more factors that go into, I think, why someone might go into the portal. Yeah, for sure. Oh boy. 
This is bad. This I'm is bad. kind of. Are you not hearing me? You're you're just choppy. Oh well, it's not my view. As soon as you so. start, as soon as you start to make a point, then you freeze, and by the time <laughs> you come back, like we've missed the point that you were. Oh making. well. Well, I'll just start say it's again. it's it's a little tougher this time because everybody's still looking for guys, and so but the I don't think the talent level of the aggregate. Oh boy! Wi-Fi tonight. <laughs> you you good? <laughs> no, apparently not. Because the Wi-Fi apparently sucks. Does doesn't your computer do like a maintenance or something at nine? No, every it night it doesn't. This is not a, a VPN issue. All right, I was no, going to say, is, why, why don't you schedule that for a different time or something? No, now anymore. Anytime I'm away from my computer for like three minutes, I have to redo the VPN. So this is not a, this is not that. This is a crappy Wi-Fi situation. All right. Let's just, let's just damn move on. <laughs> <laughs> you you Are, you say what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean it. it it's it, it. It's so weird seeing how much of a like a like a buyer's market it is because these kids, you know. They they're they're trying to go about the 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 normal process of like you know transferring, and then you find somewhere and you commit, and then all of a sudden everybody else goes oh wait well that guy's good enough for Cincinnati did we miss something should should we have talked to him should we have uh, should we have put him on our radar for our transfer portal list and then you have to start all over again. And and then now the 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 price of poker is set. Now they know like okay, well this is you know what Cincinnati's got on the table for their NIL for their guys coming in. Can we beat that? Like, is this you're dealing with? Um, There's a lot of playing one one against another. Yeah, like um, okay, do we have a greater need at linebacker than Cincinnati does? Who has? You know, Dorian Jones and, and you know, guys that are already, like, slated to be at the top of the roster at linebacker. Well, uh, we we're, we don't – we lost our three linebackers to the NFL. Or we, we, we have uh, playing time at this particular spot that they're recruiting available that, that they don't have. And, like, it's just it, – it's just very strange trying to cover it because you'll think, like – we're tracking something, okay, like we think it's these two schools, the kid visits the two schools, and then it feels like, okay, it's going in this direction or that direction, and all of a sudden here comes two new outsiders that, you know, are maybe in a better NIL situation or maybe in a better playing time situation and a similar NIL situation, and then all of a sudden you've done two weeks of work, You've gotten to where you think you're about at a point that a, a decision is going to be made. And then you're back at the start of the process again. Right. Like it has to be maddening for the people that, that are doing this well, for and, a living. And I just, I see like, 
and I'm not going to call the teams desperate. I mean, we know UC's roster situation. Like, they need some dudes at some some different positions. But, like, you know, they added a, a Division a division two guy. They had a guy that I think they thought was likely to come that was an FCS guy that then went to Colorado. Yeah. Like, they offered a, a what I would guess is a very good Division two linebacker. Uh, who went to Oklahoma? Now I don't. I'm sure he's good, because if he wasn't Oklahoma, but like three years ago, if you'd have told me Division two players were transferring to Oklahoma, I'd be like, to do what? <laughs> right. So like, it's just a, a totally different dynamic of like where players are coming from, who's interested in them, like how bad they they seem to want like i mean i'm sure the kid's not going there to to not play um you know he was one of the best defensive players in division two last year so he could have gone to a lot of places and played but like that just didn't happen before um right so it just makes the whole like you know we think we have a pretty good idea of some guys that they're targeting but like i'm not gonna say anything you can't. Uh, you look foolish. You know, <laughs> guys. Guys take visits. Guys, uh, you know, some like you said. You, you know, you 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 don't want to put out there that you're necessarily taking a guy until it's like as done of a deal as it could possibly be. Because, and I'll just I'm just using them as the example because they're just it's wild right now. But like, thirteen spots means that you can pretty much grab whoever you want. Yeah. Like you're not really beholden to certain positions. If you still need, if you've taken like 40 something transfers and can still take 13 more, like you're just trying to amass the most amount of overall talent as you can possibly get. So, so if you see somebody make a move on a guy and then you put the tape on and you're like, yeah, hey, that guy might be able to help us. Yeah. You can then go to him and be like, Hey, we got five defensive backs on the roster right now. Corners and safeties combined. Yeah. You might be totally full of shit that, that you think this guy's ever going to play. But, hey, we got him away from UC because, you know, he was good enough for them. So our roster is way worse than theirs, so he must be good enough for us. Right. It's it, it's it's almost like I know people are like, um, you know, th- this has turned me off on college sports. It's turned me off on covering the transfer portal. Because you do all this work and you get like you get things lined up and you get everything ready and da 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 and then all of a sudden like everything that you had talked to your contacts about and you had done research on and you you had a good feeling for like okay we think this is down to UC in this school and this is down to UC in this school and then four days later nothing is the same. Do you think- no matter how late you are in the process, it's wild. It's at some point, I know we've bemoaned the NCAA's, you know, inactivity in this whole process, but like at some point, do you think the collective coaches just will say like enough is enough? Like this is all ridiculous in, you know, no, No, because I think they're all going to, they're still going to all look at it and say, this is our, our opportunity to like, if I need a, if I need this. I can go get it if I need this. But you can only truly do that your first year. 
No, you can you can run still run whoever you want off to to create as much. But we how many times have we said don't ever worry about the number? No, but you can't. You won't be able to do it to the extent that. No, no, but like you're still you, gonna always that you're allowed to, to in your first year. Yeah, you're still gonna always be able to do it. I guess APR scores aren't going to really matter anymore, are they? I don't know how they would even. Because even... it's supposed to hurt you when you have guys leave. Yeah, I don't know so how I mean, they like. So if Colorado had sixty guys leave, how are they, how are they going to have like? Yeah. All right. Let, let's get to something I know everybody's wondering about, Dave. Is that the Bearcat of the week? What is that? What is that that has showed up here in my office during the BCJ podcast? Well, if you're curious, that is Team Ticker. Team Ticker is the one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. Its high-tech retro display provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more. No subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, go to teamticker.com. Pick up your team ticker today. It's a local company started by two UC alumni. It's easy to hang. Like I, 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 I and Aaron can attest to this. I, that thing went up in maybe ten minutes. Um, just had to measure and make sure you got the the little hooks right as you put it on the wall. Maybe ten minutes. Maybe two and, minutes. And, well, yeah, I'm just saying, like, like you know. And, and maybe two minutes to get it connected to the network and downloaded yeah. and and you've got the stuff scrolling uh, on your, your team ticker right away. I think it took a grand total of like five minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's one of those things when you get, you're like, Ugh, I'm going to have to carve out like, you know, nope. 20, 30 minutes to get this thing on my wall. No, it was easy peasy. Uh, so Lemon sign is easy. It's great. Uh, the LED backlight has it, uh, so it stands out in your man cave. Uh, it's got a Apple and Android, uh, mobile app for registration and, uh, free daily updates of the latest news stats, schedules, betting odds, and more. They are officially licensed through the college collegiate licensing company. They are manufactured here in Ohio. Like I said, it is two UC alumni that are running this thing. We just have to get power to Dave's wall there behind him so he can yeah. get his. What's what's one of the, what's one of these bad boys run retail? Uh I believe $299. I didn't I didn't pay for mine. So um we, we should we should we should know that to tell people should, like hold on. $299. $299. I thought I was right on that, but I didn't want to misspeak. $299 and, and it does. Like if you've got a Bearcats man cave. How could you not want that? No, it's it's perfect. Put it put it behind your bar. Yeah, it's it, it's a great great piece of uh, piece of uh, memorabilia. I guess is a, a, the right word to use. Uh, and I love it. I think it How, looks great. What is the, do they have a website set up? What is the website? Teamticker.com. I need to see if they have any Pretty Tennessee ones to to send to my buddies. Right now, it's just Bearcats, but they are working oh, on... Oh, just Bearcats, okay. Right now, they so UC is kind of the test market to see if this thing takes off. So um, they are working on becoming kind of a national 
thing with uh, with with team tickers and designs all around the country. But right now, you can get on the ground floor and get the Bearcat, and nobody That's else right. has anything like it. Yeah, you can be like, hey, people come to your house, like, where'd you get that? Like, well, if you're a UC fan, you're in luck. Right. If not, go fly a kite. <laughs> so uh, they are now a sponsor of this podcast. And they are, um, we, we are introducing a new segment, Dave. The new I segment know. is Bearcat of the Week. Uh, Phyllis says 249 right now for the team ticker. So maybe it's on sale. Who, who, do we get any good nominations? We really only got one nomination. One nomination. Well, I guess that's the winner. No, no, no. Uh, we got a, a, a bunch of people. Phyllis, I'm seeing 249 on teamticker.com. So that's what or she 299. Said. Oh, 299 on teamticker.com. But it is on sale as a graduation di- gi- gift discount. So there you go. Graduation gift. Good, good plan right there for your Bearcat graduate. Get them their own team ticker. You get $50 off when you check out. So there you go. Thank you, Phyllis. We appreciate you. Um, Mike Adams Woods, I, he was nominated like 10 times with 10 people sent in nominations. Everybody wanted us to honor Micah Adams Woods and his four years as a Cincinnati Bearcat as Bearcat of the week in our official, we had a Bearcat of the week last week and it was Doug Martin and the golf team. That was unofficial. We hadn't started the, uh, the, the process yet. But now, officially, since we only had one nomination, what I'm going to do is on every Wednesday or every day that we're doing this show, uh, you can nominate Pickle if you want. As Pickle's, being, of the week. Pickle's being feisty right now. He's wanting to play. <clears throat> um, I'm going to put on Twitter, send me your nominations. And then I will take your nominations. Dave and I will discuss the nominations live on air, courtesy of Team Ticker. And then you get to uh, you get to decide on who is your Bearcat of the week. But everybody wanted Micah Adams Woods as this week's Bearcat of the week. Uh, so congratulations to Micah. Sure. And I guess that kind of takes us to you know our next thing, right? Which is Micah Adams Woods has transferred from the universe. Has not entered the transfer portal. Not exactly the, the direction I thought this was heading. <laughs> Where did you think it was going? Well, I mean, I didn't think someone that just decided to transfer would get nominated for Bearcat of the Week. So, I think it was a respect thing. Like <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's it's Micah was uh, very much an important part of this program for a long time and uh you know it was it was more of a thank you for him as bearcat of the week if that makes sense not hotty toddy of the week (laughs) that's the crazy part about this anymore there we go we got the team ticker logo up there too that rolling for the uh Aaron's got to work on the scroll for the team ticker Bearcat of the Week segment, too. <laughs> what, did I, what did I pay this guy for? I had to do the thing? Like, jeez. Maybe let me know in the pre-show, instead of talking about your nickname, 
with a six-year-old you knew. I, I sent you the email with the team ticker logos. I forwarded that to you, and you knew this was coming. You've got the team ticker on your damn wall. This is what pre-shows are for. 50,740 unread emails on my phone. You're, 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 That's uh, a you problem. That's not a me problem. That's a you problem. You're throwing you're throwing pre-show around pretty loosely there. This is not <laughs> this is not the BBP. <laughs> um, I, I think it's you know uh, to appreciate a guy that, that gave four years to the program and in this day and age, if a guy played four years, like that's that's a lot. That's a lot of years in college basketball these days. <laughs> at the same school, yeah, four years at the same school. I think he, he he's okay. He's he's qualified for a Bearcat of the Week. Sure. What I was I and Aaron and I discussed this uh, last night on the the nightcap. But was I surprised? Yeah, I was a little surprised when when this came out. Um, but look, like teams are going to do like you have given people the opportunity to make this crazy and the portal closes tomorrow there are names going in today it is becoming very clear what the end of the portal is about that is one uh seeing if you can entice someone into the transfer portal at the end of the cycle because you messed up for five weeks or whatever the portal's been open for and didn't get the guys you wanted right it's wild like it's just wild. Yeah, I mean Tennessee had a guy enter today. Uh, pretty unexpected. Sounds like he was rumored to possibly be entering for the last couple of weeks. Creighton had a guy jump in today. Uh, they're both kind of in that like fringe. I think both in the fringe NBA thing. So they're playing it as you know going through that process, exploring their options, but like. If you're Creighton or Tennessee, or in this case, UC, like, and those guys end up not wanting to or not getting good feedback or whatever, they're not like, do you think Rick Barnes is going to take this dude back? You think Doug McDermott's going to be like, oh, yeah, come on back. You left 24 hours before the portal closed. And, you know, yeah, I'll bring you back. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe I'm 100% wrong, but without knowing those situations, uh, too well. It just feels like at this point in time, that's that's going to be a hard sell. Chad, are you there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Hard sell. Hard sell. So, sorry, puppy was howling to the point I had to go figure out what was going on upstairs. <laughs> I, making sure my daughter didn't kill the puppy. Uh, oh. She apparently had locked him out of her room because she was changing. Oh, uh, and the puppy acted like you know somebody had shot it. <laughs> glad, glad everything's okay. Everything's okay, but I, single dad with a puppy, the podcast thing is it's well, going to be a lot more. As you just as you just said to Aaron, that's on you. I know. I, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm fully aware. Quite quite an aggressive move, all things considered. <laughs> that, that you thought adding a, a a baby animal 
to the mix right now was was going to be a good idea. Well, I mean, again, we needed some life in this house. <laughs> Things have been pretty sad lately. We needed something not as sad. Uh, so, yeah, instead we got a puppy that's part husky, and huskies communicate by howling uh, whenever they are unhappy with whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, like... More power to Micah. I, I do think it makes the front end of the 2023-24 season a little more difficult because you don't have that safety net that you're hoping to use uh, with Davion Thomas and Jizzle James adjusting to high, high major Division One basketball. But if things go as planned, I also think it gives you the opportunity to be better later in the season because you're not going to have that safety net that you're going to put out there for 15, 20 minutes a game that that's going to shield those two from getting better and, and taking their lumps and going through the hardships and being able to grow. And, and now, I mean, unless something changes, like, I, I don't know, if you're you're going to be able to go out and find another like capable guard willing to come into a situation where there's a good chance they're going to be the third point guard right. like the the second or third combo guard like the two like hey maybe you find somebody that that played at you know the low major level or the mid major level that you say we want you to come in and kind of uh be a support a bit support player uh in the big 12 and they say yes but um we'll is see. that i mean right but is again is that is that going to make you appreciably better like we had this conversation you know at the end of the season and i was very much in the rip the band-aid off throw these put these guys in feet to the fire you know, we were talking earlier today and I equated it on some level to like the drafting the rookie quarterback and just playing right away. Like, are you going to take your lumps? More than likely. But yeah. are you, when it when when it's nut cutting time in February and we're hopefully trying to make the tournament, all that stuff in November and December should hopefully put you in a position to be able to handle yourself capably in high leverage situations. And that's what we want these guys to be able to do. Well, if you play super conservative and for the first two months of the season, don't put them in high level situations against quality opponents. Yeah. How are they going to get better? And how are you going to know if they can handle it or not? Right. So, I mean, this this is a, a very off basketball reference, but like, the Bengals not starting Carson Palmer his rookie year absolutely kept them from making the playoffs his second year. And so I look at this and I'm like, play those guys now, get them ready for Big 12 basketball in the in the you know preseason schedule, whatever you want to call it. Right, right. And maybe it doesn't manifest itself to super success this year, but they will certainly be ready to hit the floor running the next year, where if you did something with Micah and you still had him as your top eight player and he's still getting 
15-ish to 20-ish minutes a game. Like, somebody else is getting the rest of those minutes, but both those guys aren't. Both Day-Day and Jizzle right. aren't. Somebody is getting very few minutes. And I would I, I was on that side before. I would rather deal with whatever headaches may be, be early with two guys that have not played the position on the college, on the high major college level. Right. Because if, if you think they're as good as you – like, that was my point. Like, if Wes thinks they're as good as he thinks they are, he wouldn't have brought them here. Then why are you going to handicap them and not just put them out there and, and see what happens and let them grow? Right. Which is fair. Which is very fair. Like, uh, are they ready or are – you know. They're not ready. Are they ready? You're not Probably find, not. You're not going to find out if they are until you actually, like, put them in the damn game. Yeah. Against teams that are better than, you know. And look. My my default setting is probably to have a net. Like, just being around this as long as I've been around it, I, coaches have probably brainwashed me over the years in discussing all of this stuff. You know, as it as it happens, I, I probably am a little bit more um, less risk averse than you. Well, so are they. I mean, they're conservative by nature. Do you right? If I said, do you want to do this? No, of course not. But (laughs) is it probably better for the end of this season and certainly better for next season? Yes. The question now becomes, how big is the learning curve? Because what what is the variance between awful situation and and, and adequate situation? Right. Right. So if it takes, let's say it takes five weeks for those two guys to really start finding a rhythm and becoming a really good one-two punch at point guard. That means by yeah, Christmas, right before Christmas, the they're starting to gain play. their confidence and you're getting into Big 12 play and, and now you've got two guys. Now, are they going to go against Big 12 point guards and, and probably struggle because – a lot of them are veterans. I mean, hell, I don't even know what the Big 12 looks like right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is, I know every transfer has like four Big 12 schools on their list. Yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing I look at is not being in the AAC anymore. Yeah. While they're cutting their teeth, as long as they don't have like several inexplicable losses, they're not going to torpedo their chances of making a tournament in the non-conference. So you get them ready in that situation right. to then go into the Big 12, and we saw last year, and every year is not the same, but you go into the Big 12, and you go 500, they're making the tournament outside of having several terrible losses in the non-conference. Right. So this isn't a this isn't a one-for-one situation of like, well, you can't do this in the American, which I would agree, because in the American, you couldn't afford – to drop a bunch of non-conference games while guys figured it out because you weren't going to get the chance to get those wins in league. Now, guess what, Dave, even with Micah, November was probably going to be rough to begin with. You're incorporating CJ, you're incorporating Seamus, you're incorporating Jamel Reynolds, your Aziz Bandago is still in play. Like we're still waiting on a, a, an update of like where he's yeah. going to visit. What, I mean, what you could the, you is. could theoretically. I mean, I guess Dan 
and Vic, but like you could theoretically have four new starters next year. You could theoretically Dan Vic. You could have five of your six of your top eight be new, right? So even you, more of a even more, and Jizzle yeah. and, and and the transfers. Even more of a reason, in my opinion, to just go ahead and move forward with these two guys. Yeah, it, it's it, it it's having the safety net is nice, but you know. How many wins is the safety net going to give you? Ver- it might save you one or two games in November, December. Does it cost you one or two games in February? Because you've got the other guys that you want in the game, in the high leverage situation, have not been in it yet. Right. Right. Uh, Tom, this is actually not the one you got me. I have... I have a, a one, a couple of these that this one was authentic. I think this is the one. This one is authentic from the 90s. Donald, Donald Little torture used. Uh, There's a know. number in the, the tag on the back of this that I don't know who it belongs to because I don't know what year specifically. Instead of game from. used. Yeah. Well, it was their shooting shirts. This right. is. This is. Can you believe this is what shooting shirts used to look oh, like? Oh, they were like twenty pounds. Yeah, yeah. Like this. This is what guys used to get shots in and warmups. Like you would wear this at the gym, lifting weights to try to like bulk up. Um, yeah, I had good. a I had a friend that was a manager in the nineties that was like, "Hey, I've got a giant garbage bag of just stuff that I that I have from back in those days. Do you want it?" Yes. Yeah, I used to have some like uh, Jordan brand like team issued sweatpants and sweatshirts, and the sweatpants were like the greatest pair of sweatpants I ever had. But I also had to cut like this much off oh, the true. bottom to actually be able to wear them because obviously no one on the team is five foot seven. One of the pairs I got, I got warm like the the breakaways with the buttons down the side. Um, I got a pair of those. <laughs> But they were 3X. And they literally <laughs> came up to my neck. Like, literally came up to my neck. So. Yeah. Do I think CJ will get some of those minutes Micah would have had? Uh, CJ Frederick? Or CJ Anthony? <laughs> CJ Frederick, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> I have... I found this uh, as we were going through Kelly's stuff. I actually have a reversible practice jersey from that era, like the mesh. Oh yeah, like, Re- they look like pennies, kind yeah, of. Yeah, red, color. red and black. Yeah, you just flip them. I have a mesh. No, it's white. It's white on. I think it's red, or black and white. Oh, that's gross. The white would be like because so, <laughs> our high school colors were like blue and white. So I remember if you didn't do your laundry for a while, like the white part of your practice jersey was just nasty. Yeah, no, it was, it was white on the one side. Uh, CJ Anthony, um, look, I love CJ Anthony. You better not be getting any of those minutes. I say I that, I say that in the nicest way possible. That means something's like, gone terribly wrong. If he's getting legitimate point guard minutes in the Big 12, Tiger could like Tiger's trying to figure out the team ticker, but. 
Uh, reach up yeah. there and rip it down in a second. <clears throat> no, I, I don't think CJ Anthony will get some of those minutes Michael would have had. <laughs> and if he does, you think getting Dave to pay attention is hard? Like when you see played in the AAC? Imagine Dave me trying to keep him engaged in this podcast while CJ Anthony is playing 15 minutes a game in the Big 12. If that's the case, I think we're looking like first year Big East scores. An early, like, may, hopefully an early draft pick at that yeah. point. <laughs> hopefully an early draft pick at that point. Yeah. Oh boy. What's the matter? Nothing, just trying to keep these two from killing each other. Well. My my child has not again not figured out that can can you at least take care of them while daddy is working? No, the answer has been a resounding no. <laughs> Clear, clearly, clear. No. Tell her, her her dinner Friday night depends on it. Okay, well it's that she's already up in her room with the door closed, and the puppy is at my feet, and the big dog is right by Tiger's right next to me, so. <laughs> No, she has given up on taking care of these dogs until 10 o'clock, which is what I've asked her to do uh, because they are an inconvenience to her. So, you know, it's all good. Where are you going? Um, did you want to get to uh, the, the sports biz media podcast today that mentioned... Uh, Amazon is not going to be a factor in the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have, have we crossed off everyone at this I, point? I'm, like, I'm kind of, you know, conference realignment expert Dan Simon uh, is not gone to this level yet. But, like, I'm kind of out on this whole song and dance now. Like, I have... I have conference realignment Pac-12 media rights fatigue. Like, I'm just basically sending direct messages to my guy, uh, Cat, Cat's Claw, and just being like, just tell me, like, what I need to know right now. Because I just, I, 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 can't, I can't do it anymore. Like, it's, it's freaking the middle of May. They still don't have a deal. Now they're talking about, well, maybe sometime this summer. Like, what, whatever. Just, I mean... I've I'm I've had enough, you know. Amazon is out. I never really know if Amazon was truly in because Amazon doesn't want. They've shown no interest in any of their sports properties that they have been on or have. They've never shown any interest in wanting. Well, but I guess my point is just being at at, at one time, like Amazon was gonna 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 be the the whole thing. Now Amazon's out. Well, because, out, because, the, out? because the league doesn't want Amazon to be the whole thing. They're trying well, to. Fair. Right. And I don't blame them. But Amazon does not want to do that. They they want all of it or none of it. They don't want a right. game. Like, right. And ESPN and Fox are not out because they're willing to buy it for pennies on the dollar. They're not out, but they're not. They're also not in. Nobody's in, or they'd have a damn deal right now. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, as a partner, as a genuine, like, we are family. We 
Yes, thank you, Sister Sledge. That just popped in my head when I said we are. Um, but nobody, nobody wants to marry the, the Pac-12. Nobody even wants to date the Pac-12 at this point. No. And if they do date them, it's going to be like a Tinder hookup. No, here's the thing. No one clearly feels like they have to have it. Right. So if you don't feel like you have to have it, why are you going to give what the Big 12 is asking for, what you know, what you view as full price? Right. So yes, I'm sure ESPN would gladly take some package of games. Some ESPN would gladly take 10:30 on Saturday night. Yeah, give, like, give us one 10:30 game every yeah. Saturday night, and we'll give you four million dollars. And the Pac-12 is saying, well, no, we want this. And the ESPN's going, okay, well, great. Congratulations. I also want to go Look, on a date. I want to go on a date with Rihanna tomorrow night. <laughs> we'll we'll take we'll take Saturday night, 1030. Each team that plays in the game gets a million bucks. And that's it. That's it. We're not giving anybody else any more money. GMAC, thanks as always. 999. Thank you, you GMAC. Uh, is there any advantage if the Pac-12 falls apart? Yeah, I keep thinking if the Pac falls apart, it will benefit UC, but it doesn't increase our revenue if we add Pac programs. No, it doesn't increase the revenue, but if you add Pac-12 programs, it will keep it the same. You won't have to split it. You're not splitting the pie more, so you're not losing money. And it would help them in, one, the conference would literally like go away, and two, it would help in the next round of negotiations. Because there would be there were hypothetically because there would be one less quote unquote mouth to feed from a content and yeah. you know programming standpoint. So you know you would th- you'd have better you'd have more teams. You, you who knows inventory what those... is still right. the major factor in television. Who knows what those teams that you add become? Could they you know? Does it? Does Arizona win? We'll just use Arizona. Does Arizona win a basketball national championship? Does whether it's with Dion or not? Does Colorado actually like become Matt. at least relevant in the in the college football landscape again? Like right. you know, lo- I mean, this Before is we're talking Florida State job. We're talking seven, ten years down the road. Um, but yes, on some level, them going away would help. I don't know exactly what that means right now because right. I mean we don't know what happens with the ACC, we don't know what happens with the other big the other Pac-12 school. I mean, who the hell knows? It's it's an right. impossible thing to try to handicap uh at this point, but I'm just like you know, I I'm just kind of over and done with the whole like well this media partner is now out this one is not out the whole twitter back and forth between different reporters the you know is the pac-12 gonna fall apart what is the big tech like the all of the details of it i just don't care about anymore like like i'm basically a a valley girl when it comes to to the the pac-12 now like and, and the, the the sad part about it, as someone who lo- just loves college football, they have some really damn fun, exciting teams this year and some really damn good players. 
but none of that is like being talked about because of all of this nonsense. Right. Like, I think the Pac-12 in football this year could actually be pretty damn good uh, as an entire conference. Like, you've got exciting quarterbacks in, at multiple schools. You've got new coaches. You know, obviously, Dion. you've got Kenny Dillingham at, um, at Arizona State. You've got the, the Heisman Trophy winner who's going for another Heisman Trophy. You've got Michael Penix at Washington coming off an insane season, trying to, you know, back that up and be a first-round draft pick. You have Bo Nix coming back at Oregon. Like, there's a lot of good actual football shit that should be getting discussed. And nobody cares. But nobody's talking about it. Nobody cares. So. Uh, but Pat, Big 12 can't add Pac-12 teams without Fox ESPN's permission, right? You're caught up in semantics, Phyllis. Like, they can... if, if the Big 12 came to ESPN Fox and said, we're going to add Oregon State and Washington State, there probably would be a little well. They're not gonna. They're, they're not gonna tell them no. You they do might have, for those two. No, the My point being, but they're gonna say, "Well, you're certainly not getting any more money, and this probably wouldn't be the best right. move for you." you should not do that <laughs> on your next TV deal. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's. Um, What's the word I'm, I mean, there's a lot of gray area in what, what I think that the networks say and don't say and what their role is in this and, and a lot of, well, we might, you know, maybe you should think about this or, you know, we might do this if we were right. you, but right. I mean, the properties that have value are, are quite well known. Like nobody's like telling the big 12 to do something that everybody in the big 12 executive board and Brett Yormark aren't already doing. No one's coming to them and being like, hey, here's an idea. And then thinking, oh my God, we never even thought of this. Have you guys thought about adding Arizona or uh, Oregon and Washington? Yeah. Oh shit. We can you mean we could you mean that's an option? Yeah we, that that's a great idea. We should probably think of that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh GMAC says the pack it was last year five, six teams in the AP top 25 most of the season. But again, here's the problem that the Pac-12 is having, GMAC. Nobody gave a shit. Well, and they're also Nobody not cared. they're not putting anybody in the playoff consistently. And they're not they're not driving ratings. They're not doing numbers. They're not putting people in the stands. Like, right. it, it's just nobody cares. They, they've created a product that while pretty good, nobody is interested in. It's, no, a, they, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be. And they, and they, you know, they still get like if Oregon is involved, if Washington's involved, even if Washington State, Washington State gets sneaky good ratings for um, what they are from a budget standpoint and like where sure. they're located. But like, I mean, loyal if you ta- fan base. If you take out uh, Oklahoma and Texas and Oregon and Washington, or in USC and Oregon, UCLA. UCLA, like, like the Pac 12 gets better ratings technically than like the rest of the big 12, but the fan bases are nowhere near like as fervent. The, the success of the conference as a whole is not anywhere near. Like I'm pretty, I I might be wrong. 
I'm pretty sure the last time the Pac-12 put a team in the playoff was when John Ross played for Washington, and they and they lost to Alabama. They've only put one, right? I think it was 2017 was the only time. No, yeah, Oregon only... went, Oregon was in when Ohio okay. State won the yeah, national yeah, championship yeah, 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 yeah. in yeah. 2015. So they, they put two. They yeah, put two. I'm pretty sure it's been like six years. They put maybe, one maybe... more team in, in the CFP than the AAC. So, right. yeah, I mean, you just have – you have a – it's just a bad situation. You have two tentpole universities leaving. You have two other universities – that I'm not sure actually care about sports, you know, in in Cal and Stanford. I mean, they care about them collectively. Like Stanford is one of the best universities as a whole for all athletics. But, you know, do they care enough about football and basketball for it to matter? Like you just have a lot of, a lot of divergent thoughts in that conference. It reminds me a lot of the old Big East. Um, not in not in the same ways, but just not everybody is is seems to be committed to the same way, right? For some, for some of those schools, it is a pastime. For others, it, like for for very few, it matter matters. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, Matt's got a Bengals question for Dave. Uh, thoughts on Bengals schedule release? What primetime games do you want, or do you not care? Oh, I, I very much care because it's I'm waiting to plan my entire fall. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I very much need to know when these games are happening, so I know which Bengals games I might want to go to, coinciding with UC games. Uh, I am, I'm hoping for Bills in prime time because that's at home. I would like to. See, I was at that game. That was a wild situation. So I would like to see yeah, it in completion. Kind of robbed of that one a little bit. I would like to see that one in completion. Um, I would like uh, Arizona to be late in the year, so I have a good reason to go to Arizona. Go to Arizona in November or whatever. Yeah, November or December. Uh, other than that, I don't. I don't really care i think it was bull shit that three of their primetime games last year were division games and they were all on the road one got flexed yeah, that, one that got was bullshit one that got flexed crazy. out the steelers game did get flexed out but like yeah but like when the schedule came out like, right a like, year ago today essentially or tomorrow like they had three road primetime games in the division yeah what the what are we doing so I would, I would hope that there's a course correct there. I'm sure that yeah. Katie made her uh, opinion known on that one. So we'll, we'll see. But, you know, in the grand scheme of it, it doesn't matter. I think they're really damn good. And, and uh, you just play who you play. And that stuff is more for us fans and to plan trips yeah. around and, and things of that nature. But they with nine home games, you know, They'll have a. They should have a very, very nice, fun, uh, fun slate. Yeah. Pickle, my God. <laughs> she's aggressive tonight. She is. She's like acting like I don't ever see her. <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks as always to uh, the Holy Grail. Thanks to our newest 
sponsor here on the BCJ podcast, Team Ticker, teamticker.com. 50 bucks off right now on sale. Go to teamticker.com. Get yourself one of those. It's very cool. It's a very cool addition to any sports-themed area, bar, man cave, whatever you have. It will look better with the Bearcat holding a a constant stream of updates for Bearcat Athletics. You know you want to do that. Oh, yeah. Go to teamticker.com and get yours. And be, be the person that your friends come over and they're like, the hell is that? Where'd you get that? We need like a, we need to talk to them and get like a Bearcat Journal promo. Yeah, I'm sure. Like if, if you have if promo code Bearcat BCJ or something, you get like 10% off or something. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I know like they're trying bucks. to sell a bunch to keep the company going and get it started and everything, but right. it always helps to get a little promo going. Just have them put put up when, when BCJ is on sale. Just have it on the ticker. Fifty percent off. Yeah, fifty percent off. Bearcatjournal.com. <laughs> Put it in everybody's house that buys one. The problem is those people are all members. <laughs> right. Maybe we got to help their sales so they can expand uh, expand yeah. to more schools and and really get this thing going. Because I love it. Like I always love when I was a kid going in the locker room and seeing the like countdown clock. I always thought that was yeah. That was now fun. you get that in your in your in your spot, whatever your spot is. Right. Now it's in my office, Big 12 Cincinnati. Look at that. You you don't want that? You don't want the eyes popping up in your office? Come on. Thanks to Abby Jump. That was so. Oh, hold on. I'm I'm gonna. We need to talk about this. Maybe the second version, Team Ticker 2.0. Can you? Since it's obviously running through Wi-Fi. Yeah. When they score a touchdown, the eyes need to like flash. Yeah, I mean, I guess they'd have to have somebody at like, you know, home base. Well, no, if it's if it when the like app updates of like it's cuts it streams into like ESPN.com or something. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know how that shit works. I'm I don't either. Guy. I just think of like cool ideas, and then if it without having any idea if they're even possible. Maybe maybe like every time somebody scores, they could have the thing uh, look like a pop of a confetti cannon. Or it makes like a it plays the fight song. Yeah, I don't know if there's sound. No, I don't. I, I, see got a lot of questions. I still have a lot of questions about Team Ticker that we'll learn as we go along. But it looks awesome. For so sure. That's that's the best I can tell you right there. We're learning as we go, but it looks great. Um, and thanks to Abby Jump, that was really cool to get her on and and chop it up and. Um, I, I, her dad is one of the people that influenced me most in my childhood. I love that man. He was awesome. And she literally was a toddler running around, uh, when I was in sixth, seventh grade, uh, playing baseball and her dad was my teacher. So to see her now in that role, really, really cool. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. We'll see you next week. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. This is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.